Welcome back, Big Brother fans, to another episode of the Bitter Jury Podcast. On today's off-season edition, we are joined by one of my favorite house guests of the past few seasons. Cliff Hogg was a member of season 21 who managed to overcome a litany of obstacles, including a night one banishment, a week two eavesdropping scandal by fellow house guest Christy Murphy, and even a week four eviction where he re-entered the house via the comeback competition and made it all the way to final four alongside his alliance member, Nicole Anthony. Cliff, thank you for taking the time to join us and welcome to the show. How's life treating you as a Big Brother alumni? No, it's doing pretty well. You know, I've been a fan forever and I really thought, you know, all the young people do the do the show and then they're influencers and they're going off to Coachella and all this stuff. I figured now nah, I'm just going to do the show. I'll go back to work and all of that. And yeah, it'll be a little little flash, but that bit. And I am back at work doing regular stuff, but you can't ever quite lose the uh, uh, the, the excitement of being in a house. So I still have fun doing little recaps uh, during the seasons. I'm still I wasn't sure if I'd be as much of a fan after seeing kind of the behind the scenes having been in the house. Eh, no worry on that. I'm an even <laughs> bigger fan because I can relate so much to the people that are in there. It just means so much now when I watch the show. So, uh, yeah, I love it. So I've kind of moved on a little bit from Big Brother, but not really, because I still watch it and talk about it all the time. Well, sure. And I, I kind of wanted to start big picture there. And you kind of alluded to it going into the house as a super fan. How do you see that your relationship with the show has changed now that you've been a cast member, now that you've seen behind the curtain? Uh, how has your fandom and how do you watch the show differently now that you've been inside? Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people say, what surprised you going into the show versus what you kind of expected? And it was a downtime, uh, especially you watch the episodes. Everything is somewhat action packed, even watching the live feeds. Yeah, you know, if it's too boring, we all we go off and do something else. But if you're stuck in a house, there is so much downtime. Uh, and I think it's on purpose because that's when you get your worst paranoia and, and uncertainty and everything else. Uh, and so now that I've been in there and I understand it, I, I do feel like I can relate a little bit more when you're watching some person and saying, why in the world are they thinking that? Or why are they so uns? Why don't they see the the bigger picture that we're all seeing watching the show? And I get it. I, I get it now that you're stuck in one room while someone else is in another room talking about you. So in a lot of ways, I think I'm a lot more understanding, a lot more empathetic to the people that are on there. I used to be one of those. I'd watch it and say, oh, you goofball. Why didn't you do this? That, that makes no sense. Well, now I get it. You're working off of minimal information. So I talk on my show and everything that, that I really always want to be positive because now I understand the pressures, the stresses that take place in that house and that everyone's doing the best they can uh, for, for better or worse. So uh, I think it's made me more empathetic as a fan having gone through the process myself. Yeah. And I a follow up just because you use the word paranoia, like tell us about your most paranoid moment. Like when you just were busting at the seams and didn't know what was going on for no reason. And then to find out that maybe you had no reason to be paranoid. Yeah. Well, when they overheard me after being you know, <laughs> Christy and, and all that certainly made me paranoid, but I think there was some justification for it at that point in time. I, real, real quick, I, I, remind me how long did you, until you found out that they, they had eavesdropped on you. It was a I, while, right? I want to say it may have been a week later, but it may okay. have been two or three days. I, it was long enough. If Christy had kept her mouth shut and not told everyone, she could have come for the next week and picked up all kinds of info. 
The only thing that worked to my advantage is it was early enough in the season. I didn't have that much strategy except just survive one more day. That was about the extent of it for those first couple of weeks. So it could have been a whole lot worse. But uh, yeah, that was hard. I, I tell you where I was probably the most paranoid. And it was leading up to that final five uh, decision, having to go Tommy versus Holly. It was such an incredibly stressful and difficult decision to make one way or the other. I was so certain that Mickey and Tommy were working together that they had a little side deal that they were going to be the final two. If Holly went home, it was going to then be Mickey and Tommy working together uh, because Mickey had helped Tommy win the, uh, the hide and go veto that would have been mine, except uh, he helped Tommy win it. I'd seen him giving thumbs up to, to Tommy when no one was paying attention. Uh, he had never put Tommy on the block before that. All these little things that happened over the last three or four weeks before that, I started putting all of them together and saying, well, yeah, I can get rid of Holly, but then Tommy's going to just come right in and take Mickey's place. And as it turns out, they were working together, but not to the level that I expected. It wasn't right. really that that tight bond. But from a paranoia standpoint, I was watching for that week or so the entire time to see if they were ever in a room together, uh, how much they were laughing with each other versus being stressed out with each other. Once you think that you know what maybe is going on, it's easy to start finding the smallest little things and just making that more and more part of the story until by the end you're absolutely convinced. And the diary room doesn't help you either because if they see that happening, of course, the first thing they're going to do when they call you in there saying, hey, Cliff, how much do you really trust Tommy? And, <laughs> and they kind of play on it. They know how to get the stories out of you and everything else. Sure. Well, I guess on that note, uh, well, first and foremost, Cliff, we have to say happy belated birthday to okay. you. Um, and then as a big ramen guy, I uh, heard last night that you uh, treated you and your family to a ramen dinner. So I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, I guess kind of along those same lines, though, about, um, you know, production kind of intervening and uh, their involvement. Like looking back specific to your season, we've had, you know, other guests on the last uh, couple of years and just some of the conversations we've had the last couple of months about how involved production actually is. Yeah. Were you surprised before you went into the house or, or did you have that same level of like, OK, they're this involved as you are now actually going through it? Uh, you know, in some ways. I almost was surprised they weren't more involved because when you watch the show, you never see anyone else in that house. And I was always a little bit skeptical thinking, well, when the feeds are turned off, there's probably people in there giving them direction. And Allison Grodner's probably sitting there giving them all verbals over the, there was none of that. We literally never saw anyone in that house. When we were outside doing challenges sometimes, well, there, there were people up in the second level with the cameras and all of that. And we weren't allowed to talk to them. But even on Thursday, the live shows before people came in and did whatever they do, camera setups and things like that, we all were locked upstairs in the HOH room. They went out of their way to make sure that we truly did not have anyone to interact with except for each other uh, for the three and a half months or so. So, yeah, there was certainly a lot of involvement. Uh, there was a whole lot of stop singing. Don't do that. A lot of warnings over the loudspeakers. You aren't allowed to talk about production. I got so tired of hearing that. Especially for my season, having Tommy Brocco, Broadway, dancer oh, and all right. that. <laughs> a, a lot of singing took place. A lot of humming took place. A lot of whistling took place. So we are constantly being called out for that uh, throughout the season. But no, it, it actually surprised me in some ways that it was as true to 
to the isolation that you see on the TV show. I kind of expected to see more uh, than we actually saw. And just just a follow up to that, like what about specifically in the diary room, like the directions that they're kind of, you know, pointing you towards or. They were they were good. Now, the part that and I hear people complain about it and I'm exactly the same way. I got so tired of going in and saying in this competition, I walk outside and I see this forest and I know that I've got to go gather up puzzle pieces, you know, and you just repeat the same thing over and again Or, or me going in every week saying. By God, this is the most important veto competition of the entire season. <laughs> no one, I'll say the same thing the exact next week. So that part, they certainly wanted us to provide narratives uh, on that. But the rest of it, uh, they were very good, these these producers, about uh, throwing out the questions, open-ended questions, and just letting you run with it. Uh, so a lot of this stuff about, hey, Cliff, how's your day going? Well, not so good. I'm on the block. They'd say, so how do you think this is going to turn out? Or who do you trust? Or who do you not trust? Uh, and they'd guide you through that. Or you would you would talk about it. And then they'd have follow-up questions. Uh, and, and there are lots of times they would do stuff like saying, okay, give us all, all the scenarios of what you can think would happen. So you talk for an hour. And I'm sure they'd grab that little 15-second bite that matched up with what was actually happening. Uh, but there were certainly times where I was in there where they'd say, all right, Cliff, how comfortable are you working with uh, with Christy? Uh, do you have any issues with it? And I'd say, well, I didn't until you asked the question, and now maybe I'll have to think about it. So there were certainly times where the questions were a little bit leading just to get you, uh, you know, thinking about things and, and open-minded or, or pointing a certain direction. But uh, none of that was scripted. Uh, all of that was very much just them recording you just opening your mouth and, and talking away for – uh, some of those diary room sessions would be five or 10 minutes, just one quick question or two. Other times we would be in there for an hour and a half or so just talking away. Um, no, I just have a quick follow-up question. I don't know how I didn't realize this, but I would ne- you just confirmed that I will never apply to go on Big Brother because <laughs> you can't sing in the house. Oh. I sing all the time. So did they give... Let it rip, Charles. That? No, it's like, okay. <laughs> I had... I- Feel that that was a thing. So no, for me, it's like, yep, sorry guys. I know you keep trying to push me into it, but it ain't happening now. So <laughs> well, singing was it because they like don't want you to be happy, or it's the copyright. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Which, it's all a copyright. And and Tommy used to argue saying, "I made up that song. It's not a real song." <laughs> and they'd say, "Well, Tommy, we don't know that. We can't by the we can't split second know whether it's made up or not. So everything is off limits." I'll say it's it's funny that we're talking about this. I, I just for your perspective, Cliff. Uh, I'm the live feeder of the three of us, so I'm the one that's watching all the time. I specifically remember your season because it was the season that they the first time we didn't do the two or three day delay from the uh, f- uh, premiere. Usually, it's the premiere. They tape for three days. They let you guys get used to it. Your season, they turned cameras on three hours after you got into the house, and I distinctly remember the feed shutting off every forty five seconds because someone was humming or someone was singing and especially with Tommy in that house I'm sure it never stopped so it was it went on a, <laughs> here's what's funny I don't know if y'all realize but to wake us up in the morning the uh the feeds would shut off uh and they would say house guests it's time to wake up go change your batteries and they would play three songs uh it's where I learned Billie Eilish and Lizzo and, and some of the some of the music I maybe wasn't so familiar with before I went in the house but they would play three songs just to get us up energized and all of that 
Uh, and because the cameras are off, they didn't care if you sang along with that music and everything else. And there were lots of times I would get up before that, uh, go do my little coffee sessions and all that. But when the music started playing, I would go and run and hop in the shower and shower during that moment because then I could sing whatever I wanted. And, <laughs> and typically I wasn't, I didn't even know the songs. I wasn't even singing what they were playing. I was in there singing Elvis or just something, Johnny Cash or something while I was in the shower at the top of my lungs, because I knew for about 10 minutes every day, no one was going to stop me from singing and, and having a little fun. So, so that was my shower time was singing away in there. No, that's good to know. So, uh, Cliff, give us a little background. How did you end up getting on the show? Uh, I know a little bit about your story, but please elaborate. Did, were you a were you casted? Did you go audition? Tell us a little bit about what yeah. you did to get on the show, and then how you prepared once you knew you'd be on it. Uh, it was funny. I, uh, I, I I've been a fan since season eight. Uh, I love reality TV. Started with Survivor, uh, even before that. Mark, big fan of Mark Burnett and all that, and. And in fact, my brother, my youngest brother was on the first season of The Apprentice. So we had a little bit of it in our family already. Uh, but no, I'd always been a fan. But, you know, raising family and all of that, I never really thought about trying out. Uh, but I just happened February of 2019, saw on Twitter, I think, uh, Haley Broker from the season before had posted that there was going to be a casting call in Houston. And it just happened to be on a Saturday. And my wife and I were heading down to the Houston rodeo. They have a big barbecue barbecue cook-off. So Allery was kind of dressed up, to, to, dressed to the nines with a cowboy <laughs> hat on and you know, ready to go for a barbecue cook-off. Uh, and we were a little bit early, so I said, hey, let's drive by this bar and just look at all the knuckleheads that are trying out for, for Big Brother. <laughs> and so we, we got there. We park across the street. It's about 15, 20 minutes before they shut down the line. Uh, and we're watching from across the street. And I said, well, let's go over and just get in line so we can hear what they're saying and everything. Uh, so my wife and I got in line. We were the, at the time, last and last and I, I think there were one or two people behind us before they shut down the line. And so we talked to the people for 30 minutes or so. And at that point, uh, my wife said, well, you ready to go? And I said, well, no, I've been here 30 minutes. I might as well uh, see this thing through. Uh, my kids called and said, what in the hell are you doing sitting there in line to try it for that show? Yeah, And I said, well, watch this. I'm going to try it just to embarrass you guys a little bit. And so uh, three hours or so, finally got to the front. I uh, got to talk to the producers for all of about five minutes or so. Basically told them that I was a storyteller. I've been all over the world. I've got all kinds. If I'm in the house 99 days, I got 100 stories to tell probably 200 because I like to repeat myself a lot. And uh, yeah, I didn't think anything about it. I was just there for the experience without really thinking anything would come of it. Yeah, you know, My age and everything, who would think that? <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm getting a call. And after that, I'm, I'm heading to LA for, for finals and meeting all kinds of big wigs and uh, every IQ and medical test and everything you could ever imagine. And uh, I spent a lot of time telling my wife, she kept saying, you're going to make it on this show, Cliff. I kept saying, nah, they're they're going to call at some point and say this is the end of it. And I was really trying to keep my expectations low, knowing they were going to stop it at some point. Probably about two or three weeks before they came and grabbed me, I started thinking, wow, uh, there's a possibility I'm going <laughs> to actually go in there. I better start getting ready for it. And so, uh, yeah, so it was it was kind of a whirlwind. I've only tried out once. It was an in-person casting call. I had nothing planned. I really just went in there and said, eh, I can talk to a rock if need be. So. Uh, I went in. I will say I got to know everyone around me. And so I knew names and who was doing this and that. So it was obvious I'd interacted with other people, but I had nothing planned. I just went in, shot the bull. And I think they liked the, the natural conversation, maybe. 
Uh, and there weren't a whole lot of old guys there trying out. So, so that certainly worked to my advantage as, as well. Uh, as far as preparing, I've watched a lot of seasons. I went in and I tried to, uh, to look at some of the challenges that I thought preparation would help you on. Balance beams hanging on the ropes. There's not much you can do with that. Yeah, how do you? I can't go in the backyard and hang against my fence too well. But, uh, but there were some challenges like getting inside a die and rolling it around a certain number, and and some of the more strategic competitions where I tried to practice and memorize a little bit and do things like that just in case uh, it came up. I, I'm not sure how well that worked out for me. Uh, but while other people were probably watching past seasons, trying to get up to speed as much as possible. Uh, my wife has said, hey, CBS, if they show up to grab you, we're, they're going to be filming at our house and everything else. So I was busy putting in a new kitchen floor and doing all these kind of things <laughs> in preparation for having our house on on primetime TV at some point as I walk out the door waving goodbye. That's that's when you know you're a good husband, Cliff. There you go. I, I know. I know. How, <laughs> I know how. Yeah, well, I've, been, I, I've been married uh, 33 years coming up. So, yeah, we we knew how it. I had to get permission to go into that house for three and a half months. It was very much a family sacrifice. I was in there sitting by the pool, uh, in or out, hanging out, doing nothing for three and a half months. Well, there's a little strategic stuff, but yeah, you know, for the most part, it was kind of a vacation for me while my wife was having to hold down the fort here. So it was very much a family effort uh, for me to go on that show. And I'm very yeah. appreciative for that. 100%. Well, that's a perfect segue to my question. Um, my wife, Hannah, and I watch Big Brother every summer. And uh, I'm not just saying this because, you know, you're on with us tonight, but you, you know, are one of our favorite players of all time. And I think, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with how endearing you were throughout the season, but specifically, um, you know, actually going in and talking to the camera, like a video diary to your wife and your family. Um, I'm curious because, you know, I feel like you were kind of a pioneer uh, in doing that because now a lot of people, that's part of their game plan. Was that part of yours going in? Um, and if not, when did that start? Because you were super consistent with it throughout the season. Yeah, no, it was very much a plan. And the reason being, uh, I think Josh at some point, uh, when is he, season 20, I guess, or 19. 19. Uh, he had talked to the camera a little bit. Uh, and and I really was appreciative of that because I've I watched a lot of feeds as well. And there were so many times where I was like, what is going through your head? If I could just <laughs> just pick your brain a little bit. And so when I went in, uh, I told everyone, I said, if I get a chance, I'm going to tell you all what's going on and uh, and let you know what's up and, and all that. So, no, it was very much intentional. Uh, a bit of a shout out to all the other live feeders there, because I know I, I still watch this show and three o'clock in the morning. There's someone sitting somewhere and they're saying there's no one watching this on live feeds now. Well, that's so wrong. It doesn't matter <laughs> when it is. There's someone watching. So I knew in the middle of the night when things were absolutely boring, uh, if I could still talk to the cameras, there was going to be someone out there that was a little bit appreciative of it. As far as uh, my wife and talking to her and everything, I, I work in the oil field. I've been all over the world uh, during my career. But no matter where I was in the farthest reaches of absolute nowhere, I still would try to talk to her at least once a day, if not that every other day, try to maintain that contact. So this was the first time in our entire marriage uh, where we went so long not being able to talk to each other. And she'd already told me, she said, I'll be watching When When you go to sleep, I'll go to sleep. When you're awake, I'll be awake. So I knew as long as I was awake, she was going to be watching. Uh, I had just lost my dad in January before I went in the house. So I knew that my mom it was a great vehicle for her to kind of stay busy 
uh, during that summer. And she and my wife talked about everything I was doing. Uh, my mom complained that they filmed me in my underwear sleeping in bed way too much. And <laughs> I didn't care, but my mom did. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, that's oh, it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No, um, you know, not to take away from you, but I'm a big, big super fan, as all of us are. And that's kind of, you know, where I said, Maybe I won't audition for the show because I can't sing. One thing that does make me want to go on that you kind of mentioned earlier is being an alum makes you a part of that family now, right? So you as a super fan, who are some of your favorite people that you've watched as a super fan prior to you being there? And how hopefully have they made you feel more a part of that family now that you're just not the guy on the outside watching? Yeah, it's great. And there's some people I, I remember oh, Brittany Haynes and, and Jordan and uh, some of the people I really enjoyed watching. And then there were other people like Rachel Riley that I just said, oh, she is too emotional. She yells <laughs> too much. I, I, I can't stand. In fact, I told some pre-interview during some pre-interviews that that's a person I would not want to be in the house with. And and she kind of called me out before and I've met her a few times and oh, I'm so sorry, Rachel. Now I understand <laughs> all of it. And. She's one of the sweetest people I've ever I've ever talked with. Uh, but me personally, I, I've always gravitated towards, I guess a lot of viewers do, people like Donnie Thompson or because of the age similarities, uh, Kevin Schlubber was kind of a little bit of an inspiration. I saw, saw him doing it. I thought, well, if he can do it, I, I should be able to do it as well. Uh, so some of them as well. From a strategic standpoint, there's people like Vanessa Russo uh, that I thought was just a, a great player. Uh, but what's great is I have had the opportunity to uh, give kids the world hearts of reality uh, fundraiser uh, over in Orlando for a couple of years now. And I've met so many people who no matter how they portray, how they were portrayed during the season are just such genuine, nice people. And, uh, and truly I think when we all hang out together uh, and not just, big brother but it's also survivor it's a circle it's so many of these different reality shows and just having your your privacy destroyed and kind of th putting it all out there for for viewer for for criticism from social media and all that I, I feel like people who've done it have that shared experience even if it was different seasons different shows and it's fun to talk to people and just get to know who they really are versus who you saw on that tv screen and uh, again i've really not met very many people who who are jerks in real life now maybe they don't come to the the uh, charity events maybe they're off <laughs> they're off yelling at kids at back at home or something but the the ones i've met it's just a it's a neat uh relationship with everyone else who's been through similar situations so yeah it, it's always fun to hang out with those people and and get to know them and and share stories especially the survivor folks they've got their stories uh, about being hungry and miserable and I got my stories about sitting out by the pool, getting a tan with with all the young kids and all that. So yeah, we share stories. So um, now that you've gotten your Big Brother experience, I guess has anyone approached you to do another reality show? And if not, which show would you want to do? And how do you think your Big Brother experience would give you an advantage on one of those reality shows? Yeah, no, I'm waiting for CBS. Yeah, call me CBS. I let me know. I. Uh... Uh, yeah, no, it'd be fun to do an, another show. I, I kid my wife. I say, all right, my next show is going to be Naked and Afraid. You think <laughs> I embarrassed my kids the first time? Wait till I go on that show and, and try to survive out there. Uh, but no, I think uh, 
I've had a lot of people say, oh, you ought to do the circle. And it's like, yeah, you got to be kidding. You think I could go in and catfish as a as a 20 something sorority girl or something? Emojis and all. There's no way. But the shows I would like to do, obviously, Survivor and Amazing Race are, are two of my you know favorites. Uh, CBS has a lot of, of great ones. Uh, but also that Traders that came out, I think, is on Peacock. Uh, I'd like the chance to kind of get to play the villain side a little bit and do something that runs counter maybe to the way people see me and the way I played the game uh, in, in Big Brother. How it would help me, I, I went in going into Big Brother knowing that because of my age, because of the cowboy hat, because I work in the oil field, because of the color of my skin, there were a lot of things about me that were going to lead people to make assumptions and, and stereotype stereotype me about how they thought I was going to behave and act and everything else. And, and I really went in wanting to, to not necessarily go, go with that stereotype and prove people wrong. And I think going on to another show, I guarantee I'd be banking on them having watched my season and saying, you know, I wouldn't lie to you guys, you know, I'm as loyal as they come. And if I give you a handshake, you know, I'm not ever breaking that handshake. And I'd take advantage of that. I, it'd be fun getting to play the villain a little bit one of these days on, on some other show. I'm uh, I'm bookmarking this clip for when you do get on that show. We're going to be the exclusive <laughs> that's going to know your whole strategy. So yeah, yeah. Don't tell anyone else. I, I'll be in there begging. Say, make, make me the traitor. Let me be the one that sends these people home. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, Cliff. We will not post that clip until after you won that next reality show. By the way. Uh, so. <laughs> that, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> uh, so I want to get a little more uh, specific about your season. So um, you got voted off and then had the opportunity to do camp comeback. Uh, you obviously end up beating um, Ovi, Kimmy and David. Uh, do you think that Big Brother should incorporate, uh, you know, camp comeback this next season? <sighs> you know, I feel in a lot of ways. Now, from a purely personal standpoint, <laughs> I'm really glad they had camp come back. Uh, it allowed me to continue the game. But as a as a viewer uh, and a fan of the game, in a lot of ways, I think camp comeback kind of stifled our season a little bit because I know even the season that that I was put up by Nick uh, that led to me going home later that week, and, and then later Nicole was put up next to me. Nick has said before that he may have taken a shot against uh, Mickey and and Jack if it wasn't for camp comeback and if it wasn't for his concern that he was going to put two big targets up, one of them was going to go home and then win camp camp comeback and come right back in and be targeting Nick. So I do think in some ways, as long as there was a possibility of, of any of those three or myself coming back into the game, people were playing a little bit more conservatively. No one wanted to take big shots uh, because of that. So as much as I like camp comeback, I do think it meant that during our season, it, it started the season off just a, a little bit slower because of it. I do like, I, I like the idea that someone can get a redemption uh, of some manner. So maybe, maybe not camp come back the way we had it, but something that lets people, people come back in. I, I'm not entirely opposed to, it's just with us knowing it was a four week period and then it was going to happen. Uh, I, I do think that made a little, little difficult. The thing that I hated most about my season, the thing I, I hope they don't ever do again, the first day banishment. Uh, you can call it banishment. You can call it eviction, whatever. Uh, but the idea that you send someone home before everyone else gets a chance to know who you are and understand who you are, I think that makes it difficult. I think it forces people to rely more on 
assumptions and stereotypes and who they've interacted with in the past versus who they may get to know organically in the house. And so I'm not a fan of, of ever sending someone out uh, on day number one, especially because I know how invested everyone is in wanting to play that game and preparing for the game and telling their family about it. I know when I was banished on day one, uh, the old freaking squirrel grabbed me and I'm sitting there thinking my game could be over before I even got a chance to, to sleep in the house or have dinner or anything. I remember thinking, gosh, is my journey going to be this quick, that fast uh, to be done with it? Not even get a chance to really interact and play the game. And so, yeah, I hope I hope they from this point on always give at least a week or so for people to get to know each other before they have nominations, because that gives you a chance to play the game and sell yourself and, and develop some relationships that maybe didn't happen during my season. Oh, that was, that was very deep, actually, um, <laughs> which actually is is good for my question because I am kind of taking a, a different um, a different direction. Uh, Daniel asking you how you feel that being in there would help prepare you for another reality show. Yeah. And one thing that I feel like you've kind of touched on again and talking about the paranoia that we went through earlier and just, you know, giving people an opportunity do you feel like your experience has helped you outside of the house in your normal day-to-day -day actions? Like, yeah. do you feel like when you're interacting with your wife and children, are you not worried that they're worried, you know, trying to figure out how to spend your money <laughs> on, the, well, on the side? Yeah. I, I, it may actually be a little bit of the opposite, Charles, because I, uh, when I first got out of the house, I definitely had my own version of PTSD, not to take anything away. You know, it's, it's not like military though. Those guys truly deserve, you know, everything, all the claim for me, I got just a little taste of it. I know when I got out of the house, it was difficult for me to, to talk to anyone. Uh, it was, there was a little bit of paranoia built in and I, I would snap at people and uh, you get so used to not trusting anyone or anything that's said to you. And it, we got out at the end of September and it really took me maybe Thanksgiving, Christmas, sometime around there before I kind of felt back to myself. Yeah, we all have these dreams that you wake up and you've got to take a test and you you haven't been all semester. You're in your underwear, these stress dreams. My dreams for a couple of months were all that I was in the Big Brother house. There was a vote coming up and I hadn't even talked to half the people in the house. Yeah, everything about my mental psyche involved that house for a couple of months when I got out. So it, it was difficult. Uh, what's funny is because I've been all over the world and worked with so many different kinds of people, I really think the real world helped me prepare for going inside the house more so than the other way around, because I had learned from a long time ago, uh, to, to interact and to work with all different ages, nationalities. Uh, so I, I kind of felt like this was the ultimate test of everything I'd learned working in sales and, and in the oil field, trying to work with so many different disparate type character characters inside that house. Uh, but yeah, when I got back out and got over some of that initial stress and everything else, uh, it has been fun because I met people in that house that I would have never interacted with in real life. Uh, yeah, I got friends up in New York City and, and all spread of someone in Wyoming, you know, places that I really didn't know that many people. And so, uh, yeah, it helps me kind of embrace a lot of different people and a lot of different lifestyles and everything else and i think that's always good that was that was probably one of the playing the game was fun but getting to meet so many different people not just in the house but the fans of big brother as well i mean uh, in canada and the united states there's such a wide range of fans themselves and 
getting to interact with all of them has been something I really didn't plan on or think about when I went to the house, but that's, that's icing on the cake. That's fantastic. Uh, well, my question is, and this is, I think, uh, super producer Daniel over here is saying, this is my last question. So I'm going to use it wisely. Um, so, um, say CBS calls you tomorrow, um, and they name you the head of casting for this next season of big brother, um, you know, being a super fan and your experience in the house, what would be your breakdown of super fans, just, you know, casual fans. And then those players who have never heard of big brother, but just doing it to maybe become a reality TV star. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have any problem with people who who don't maybe aren't the super fans. Uh, I may want them to watch a season or two before they go in, just to understand some of the mechanics of the game. But if you have people who haven't played before, it may give you more of an opportunity to to see a fresh approach. Yeah, I know people complain about, oh, everyone votes with the house every week. And there's there's things that we tend to do because it's worked in the past. Someone new to the game may do something completely different and discover a whole new strategy that that screws everyone else up in there. So. I wouldn't want it to be all super fans. I think there's there's a good mix. I'm not a huge fan of the people who go in there just with the intent of, oh, this is my chance to be on TV so I can then go on to be an influencer or do something else. Yeah, that's I want people in there that are playing the game to play the game. And I don't know how you make that more. You know, I was 500,000 when I started. Now it's 750K. Do like Survivor. Bump that on up to a million bucks or so and. <laughs> Uh, and maybe make some of the the second, third, fourth place, or raise some of those wages as well, and and maybe give people even more incentive to to play and get as far as they can, and not just be that pretty face in front of the uh, the camera thinking about what's going to happen uh, afterwards. So I, I would certainly do that from a casting standpoint. Uh, the other thing I would do, uh, I, th- I think they've gone a good direction in terms of some of the diversity that we've seen here in the last few seasons, but. I want to see some diversity in the ages as well. I was 53 when I went in or 54, I guess, when I actually went into the house. Everyone else was in their 20s in there. Uh, And so that that was tough. I'd like to see a season uh, that maybe has a few more 40 and 50 year olds and and see how we do play in the game. I went in knowing that being the only old person in there, I had a target on my back right from the very beginning. It was going to be a long haul to survive that thing. I'd be curious to see how it worked if you had a little bit more spread of ages and, and see how the interactions are. People with a little bit more experience, people that maybe have a little more athleticism to them, and just see how it all balances out. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. My final question won't be as um, interesting as as Dalton's, <laughs> but it, it's fun. Again, looking at the super fan standpoint, I want to know top two showmances and top two bromances from when you watch. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Bromance. I gotta go with Brett and Winston. I, I love okay, those. Okay. I, I love, love those guys. Uh who else? Maybe uh oh oh Whistlenut and, and Kevin <laughs> were, were kind of fun in terms of romances. <laughs> Showmances, I didn't like any of them. Man, I got in there. I saw everyone hooking up and it's like, oh geez, guys, you're making it so hard on me. Jeff and Jordan, I suppose. I I, I always liked the two of them. It was so cool meeting uh, Jeff doing the pre preseason interview in the diary room and all that. So maybe the two of them, uh, Brendan and Rachel. As much as I called her out before the season, I met them just last December and just incredibly nice people. Their kids are fantastic. So uh, I'll I'll come in late and say that after the fact that I really like the the two of them as well. 
No one on my season. I, they're in the showman's worth of damn on my season. I wish none of them had happened because it was, it just made it so hard in there knowing everyone. I couldn't even go in the shower in the HOH room knowing all the people who'd already had their own fun and entertainment. In there. Oh, man. Bringing back memories of Mickey and Holly. Oh. Well, let's uh, wrap this up with one final question here. So we are prepping now for season 25 of Big Brother, hoping it's going to be some big twists, some uh, interesting new directions they may take it with it being the 25th anniversary. So Cliff, being a Big Brother alumni, what are your predictions for season 25 and what big twist do you think is coming our way on this 25th anniversary? Yeah, and I've had so many people say, oh, you think it's going to be returning guests and all that? I'd love it if it was one returning guest. I'd be fine <laughs> with that, but I just don't see it. I we saw All Stars back in season twenty two. It's been too quick, so I don't think we're going to have return. I think it's going to be all new players. Uh, maybe they bring back one or two people as a coach, like we've seen in some seasons. But I kind of think it's all going to be all all new players. Twist wise, yeah, I don't know. You know, Julia, I expect the unexpected and all that. I. I don't know. I there's certainly some challenges that I, I like seeing. Uh, during my season, we didn't have any challenges where you got to pick who you protected and they pick who they protected, or or pick the next two people going up to go against each other. There were no competitions where we were forced to expose who our loyalties really, really were towards. And I regret it. I, I hated that. I really thought that would have been fantastic for me to try to break up that big alliance, and it just never happened. So. I, I want to see some of that. I, I feel like going to a different reality show, Survivor, sometimes their challenges seem like they're the same challenges over and over again in, in some ways. Uh, I want Big Brother to do something they've never done before. Uh, Big Brother Canada has some some interesting challenges sometimes that that we haven't seen down here. I'd like to see them borrow some of that stuff up there. and uh, Because we went in every week, we'd say, oh, this is going to be the week we do BB Comics. Oh, this is going to be the week we do OTEF. And we were right about half the time. I don't want predictability. I want people to not have a clue. I want to see some eating challenges. I wanted an eating challenge during mine because I knew I could win that thing. <laughs> they didn't even give me an eating challenge. So, yeah, I want them to. I want them flip things uh, around a little bit and and make it uh, make it a little bit different than we've seen in the past. Well, you are preaching to the choir here. Charles and I covered Big Brother 10 in Canada as one of our first seasons here on the podcast, yeah. and we fell in love with their competition style. Like oh, the, the competitions unreal. in the U.S. are like the warm-ups for the competitions in Canada. So There's some great ones up there. So, yeah, we will be uh, also hoping for similar competitions. And if you end up being the secret twist this season, then we will absolutely be rooting for you. But, Cl but Cliff, thank you so much for taking the time today. I uh, really enjoyed having you on the podcast. And uh, uh, share with our uh, listeners where they can find the stuff you're doing. I know you do daily recaps. And uh, where, where are you uh, posting content? Yeah, during the off season, I do a Cliff Notes Live Monday nights on YouTube. Uh, Monday nights, uh, uh, seven o'clock Eastern, or eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock Central. Uh, just a little hour long interacting with the reality TV fans and everything. During the season, uh, I actually do overnight recaps. So every morning, I'll post a little twenty minute recap of all the important stuff that happened uh, overnight. I stay up so you don't have to. Kind of do <laughs> uh, so, so I, I do that. I have a lot, a lot of fun with it, trying to keep track of who's doing what in the middle of the night when no one thinks that anyone's watching or awake. Uh, so, yeah, during the season, uh, every morning I'll, I'll make a post. Off season, every Monday evening I do it. 
Well, awesome. Well, maybe we'll do some interaction with you when the uh, season starts this year. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you much so much for taking the time, and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great one. Cheers. Thank you so much. Go Aggies. Absolutely. <laughs> Gig <Give> them. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for coming up.